0: A warm welcome to our listeners to our show called Let's Talk. This is the show where we talk about various topics that might influence your daily life or is already influencing your daily life. Our team is Dr. Baroldi. He is a specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist. Myself, Krista, I'm a psychologist and a psychosexologist. And today, not in a studio with us, but he is part of the team, is Shaul Khriev, specialized counselor with a special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. Today, we are going to address the elephant in the room hormones and testosterone. Mm. Now, it's a, uh, This is a. These are terms that are you being used loosely by everybody, and everybody says I'm having a hormone day, and other somebody will say, "Oh, no, that one's got too much testosterone."
1: Right.
0: I think we need to break it down to bare basics. Okay. If we talk about hormones and testosterone, what are we talking about?
2: Okay, so um, testosterone is a hormone, but. Let's start with what are hormones. Hormones are chemical substances that are made by the body and that circulate in the body. Mm -hmm. And they control a variety of processes uh, in the body. Mm -hmm. And depending on which hormone it is and depending on where it's working, the effects
0: will be different. So it's quite complicated. It's very complicated. (laughs) Is that why when the hormones are all at play, things become complicated? Complicated, Yeah, I
2: think one way of looking at this is the different kind of hormones, Mm -hmm. you can look at it in terms of money. So you can go into a store and you can pay with cash or you can pay with a credit card. Okay. Okay. If those were hormones, it would be two different hormones. And what they would initiate in that store is... Different. Okay. In terms of where the hormone works, it depends on which store you're in. So your money is going to do different things if you're sitting at pick and pay or if you're sitting at a train station. Mm-hmm. It will be used to have a different outcome. Okay. So
0: each hormone has got a specific job.
2: Each hormone has got many jobs depending uh-huh. on where it's used. And now you're really okay. getting complicated. No, I'm really complicated. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> okay. So and they say us women are complicated. <laughs> is that the reason
2: why? <laughs> so let's start with testosterone. It's probably the easiest one to start off with. Testosterone yeah. is the male hormone. Okay. It is what makes males males. It is responsible for a variety of things in the body. So it's responsible for growth of the sexual organs, okay. uh, both in utero and. Um, before puberty or during puberty it is responsible for sexual drive, it is responsible for production of sperm, it is responsible for the hair pattern uh, on the body, it is responsible for hair loss later on uh, on the scalp, so it's responsible for all the external male characteristics and it suppresses estrogen which is the female hormone so it suppresses estrogen so that men don't get breasts and if they do have breasts or man boobs as we call them then there's no breast tissue in it it's normally just fat but that's a different uh, um, discussion so testosterone is the hormone that makes us men in women you have estrogen that does exactly the same thing progesterone is a hormone that is found in both males and females In females, it creates a reproductive cycle and it is probably mostly involved with pregnancies. Mm. In males, uh, progesterone has got a much lower prevalence. It doesn't Mm -hmm. do very much. Mm -hmm. And it is often used by the body to make testosterone.
0: If I understand correctly, we've we've actually mentioned three different hormones. uh, The testosterone, estrogen and progesterone. Mm. All three of them are present in both male and female. Am I right? Correct. Okay. Correct. So it's just that the female has got predominantly the estrogen. Correct. And the male has got predominantly the testosterone. Correct. And Correct. it's when, when they become, to a certain extent, imbalanced for the specific individual or gender, that's when we start seeing women with more hair growth on their faces or men being more effeminate. Or does that not have any impact on that?
2: I don't think it has an effect on men being more effeminate. Okay. Uh, But it certainly does have an effect on women developing moustaches, yes. So, in men, for instance, uh, if there's a low testosterone, and relatively speaking, then the estrogen is higher. Mm -hmm. You are going to get uh, uh, man boobs, basically, Mm -hmm. uh, because you start stimulating those tissues that normally wouldn't be stimulated okay. But all three of them have, Are neurotransmitters mm-hmm. So they also they, they don't just work on the body They also work on the brain mm-hmm. And that's very, very important
0: What does that mean?
2: So in other words They have an effect on the brain So if your estrogen For instance Is low Just before you menstruate For the month mm-hmm. Then you're ratty And irritable And you've got that premenstrual syndrome In men If the testosterone drops which it does with age, unfortunately, you end up with the midlife crisis, as it were. Okay. okay, that's the most obvious thing where you just feel that you're just not who you used to be mm. because your testosterone is, is is now low. So now you go and look at uh, for other things that will validate who you are. Mm. So we look at buying a flashy car at 45 or 50. We look at you know joining a motorcycle gang at 60. Okay. Um, those kind of things to try and capture again something of uh, who you were. Because testosterone in the brain is responsible for a number of things. One is mood. Mm-hmm. Two is memory. So mm-hmm. testosterone is low. Your memory is likely to be a little bit impaired. Um, you can, of course, on the, on the mood side of things, present with depression.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
2: Um, But the most important thing that it does in the brain is drive. Okay. So it is responsible for uh, the drive, that feeling of I get up in the morning, right, I've got a whole lot of things to do. Where do I start? I'm going to get this sorted out by today. As opposed to, oh my God, it's Monday again. Do I really have to do all this? It's that drive pushing forward. Mm. And it is responsible for assertiveness. Okay. So part of the male characteristic is we're doing it, and we're doing it now, and we're doing it this way. Okay. Right? When we have too much testosterone, there's an overload of testosterone, particularly bodybuilders that um, inject too much and so on, that assertiveness goes over into aggression. And then we have the so-called roids rage, okay. steroids rage. So just a quick definition between the two, just uh, two uh, not confuse people. Testosterone has got two basic effects. One is, well actually three. One is the mental one that we've just mentioned. The other one is the sexual effect. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And the third one is the anabolic effect. Mm -hmm. And the anabolic effect is the, uh, what it does is it maintains muscle mass. It increases muscle mass. It maintains endurance. It maintains bone strength and what happens with um, so it does all three bodybuilders want more muscle so they will go and inject testosterone when they don't need it to try and push up that uh, muscle effect mm. okay? and the ratio in testosterone of its anabolic muscle building to its sexual effects the ratio is one to one and what has happened is uh, Over the years They've taken this testosterone molecule And changed it To try and get more anabolic effects That's where the anabolic steroids Come from The root is still testosterone But the anabolic steroids Then will have a ratio Of muscle building To sexual which might be 2 to 1 Or 3 to 1 But at the end of the day The overload can still cause problems in terms of aggression and, and liver and a whole lot of other things.
0: It's quite technical and that's why I'm very glad that there's doctors like you that deal with these things because I think us laymen <laughs> will really get, we, we, we tend to get things a lot wrong, like wrong in ways that we shouldn't have tampered with Mm. so it sounds to me as before we take the break to go and listen to some music to sort of just what i'm getting from this is it's so important to have the balance the way that hormones have been designed in our bodies is to be in balance the moment that we go out of balance whether it is either through aging or some kind of illnesses or some kind of External use for, for, for bodybuilders, we're actually messing around with the balance. Correct. And we need to get the balance back into place. Absolutely correct. So, we will, uh, you're listening to Gay Radio where you are family, and we're going to take a short break and just listen to some music, and then we will be back listening and talking to and with Dr. Ezio Baraldi about hormones and testosterone.
3: Are our presenters saying something controversial? Tell us what you think on Twitter by using the handle at GaySA Radio.
0: A warm welcome to our listeners to our show called Let's Talk. This is the show where we talk about various topics that might influence your daily life or is already influencing your daily life. Our team is Dr. Baroldi. He is a specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist. Myself, Krista. I'm a psychologist and a psychosexologist, and today, not in the studio with us, but he is part of the team, is Shaul specialized counselor with a special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. Today, we are going to address the elephant in the room hormones and testosterone. Mm. Now, it's a, uh, This is a. These are terms that are you being used loosely by everybody, and everybody says I'm having a hormone day, and other somebody will say, "Oh, no, that one's got too much testosterone."
1: Right.
0: I think we need to break it down to bare basics. Okay. If we talk about hormones and testosterone, what are we talking about?
2: Okay, so um, testosterone is a hormone, but. Let's start with what are hormones. Hormones are chemical substances that are made by the body and that circulate in the body. Mm -hmm. And they control a variety of processes uh, in the body. Mm -hmm. And depending on which hormone it is and depending on where it's working, the effects will be
0: different. So it's quite complicated. It's very complicated. <laughs> is that why when the hormones <laughs> are all at play, things become complicated? complicated yeah. I think one
2: way of looking at this is the different kind of hormones,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you can look at it in terms of money. So you can go into a store and you can pay with cash or you can pay with a credit card. Okay. okay? If those were hormones, it would be two different hormones and what they would initiate in that store is different okay in terms of where the hormone works it depends on which store you are in so your money is going to do different things if you're sitting at pick and pay or if you're sitting at a train station Mm -hmm. it will be used to have a different outcome okay so
0: each hormone has got a specific
2: job each hormone has got many jobs
0: depending Uh on where it's used now you're really okay. getting complicated. Really complicated. Okay. <laughs> okay. So and they say as women are complicated, <laughs> is that the reason why?
2: <laughs> so let's start with testosterone. It's probably the easiest one to start off with. Testosterone yeah. is the male hormone. Okay. It is what makes males males. It is responsible for a variety of things in the body. So it's responsible for growth of the sexual organs, okay. uh, both in utero and. Um, before puberty or during puberty it is responsible for sexual drive it is responsible for production of sperm it is responsible for the hair pattern uh, on the body it is responsible for hair loss later on uh, on the scalp so it is responsible for all the external male characteristics and it suppresses estrogen which is the female hormone So, it suppresses estrogen so that men don't get breasts. And if they do have breasts, or man boobs, as we call them, then there is no breast tissue in it. It's normally just fat. But that's a different uh, um, discussion. So, testosterone is the hormone that makes us men. In women, you have estrogen that does exactly the same thing. Progestogen is a hormone that is found in both males and females. In females, it creates a reproductive cycle and it is probably mostly involved with pregnancies. Mm. In males, uh, progesterone has got a much lower prevalence. It doesn't Mm -hmm. do very much. Mm -hmm. And it is often used by the body to make testosterone.
0: If I understand correctly, we've we've actually mentioned three different hormones. uh, The testosterone, estrogen and progesterone. Mm. All three of them Are present in both male and female. Am I right? Correct. Okay. So it's just that the female has got predominantly the estrogen. Correct. And the male has got predominantly the testosterone. Correct. And it's when when they become to a certain extent imbalanced for the specific individual or gender that's when we start seeing women with more hair growth on their faces or men being more effeminate. Or does that not have any impact on that?
2: I don't think it has an effect on men being more effeminate. Okay. Uh, But it certainly does have an effect on women developing moustaches, yes. So in men, for instance, uh, if there's a low testosterone, and relatively speaking, then the estrogen is higher, Mm -hmm. you are going to get uh, uh, man boobs, basically, Mm -hmm. uh, because you start stimulating those tissues that normally... Wouldn't be stimulated. Okay. But all three of them have, are neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. So they also, they, they don't just work on the body, they also work on the brain. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important.
0: What does that mean?
2: So in other words, they have an effect on the brain. So if your estrogen, for instance, is low, just before you menstruate for the month, mm-hmm. then you're ratty and irritable, and you've got that premenstrual syndrome. In men, if the testosterone drops which it does with age, unfortunately, you end up with the midlife crisis, as it were. Okay. okay, That's the most obvious thing where you just feel that you're just not who you used to be mm. because your testosterone is, is, is now low. So you, now you go and look at uh, for other things that will validate who you are. Mm. So we look at buying a flashy car at 45 or 50. We look at, you know joining a motorcycle gang at 60 okay. um, those kind of things to try and capture again something of uh, who you were because testosterone in the brain is responsible for a number of things one is mood mm-hmm. two is memory so mm-hmm. if testosterone is low your memory is likely to be a little bit impaired um, you can of course on the, on the mood side of things present with depression
1: mm-hmm. okay
2: um the, but the most important thing that it does in the brain is drive okay. So it is responsible for uh, the drive That feeling of I get up in the morning Right, I've got a whole lot of things to do Where do I start? I'm going to get this sorted out by today As opposed to, oh my God, it's Monday again Do I really have to do all this? It's that drive pushing forward mm. And it is responsible for assertiveness Okay. So part of the male characteristic is we're doing it, and we're doing it now, and we're doing it this way. Okay. Right? When we have too much testosterone, it's an overload of testosterone, for particularly bodybuilders that um, inject too much and so on, that assertiveness goes over into aggression. And then we have the so-called roids rage, okay. steroids rage. So just a quick definition between the two, just uh, to. Uh, not confuse people. Testosterone has got two basic effects. One is, well actually three. One is the mental one that we just mentioned. The other one is the sexual effect. Mm-hmm. And the third one is the anabolic effect. Mm-hmm. And the anabolic effect is the, uh, what it does is it maintains muscle mass. It increases muscle mass. It maintains endurance. It maintains bone strength. And what happens with... Um, so it does all three. Bodybuilders want more muscle. So they will go and inject testosterone when they don't need it to try and push up that uh, muscle effect. Mm. Okay? And the ratio in testosterone of its anabolic muscle building to its sexual effects, the ratio is one-to-one. And what has happened is... uh, over the years they've taken this testosterone molecule and changed it to try and get more anabolic effects that's where the anabolic steroids come from the root is still testosterone but the anabolic steroids then will have a ratio of muscle building to sexual which might be 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 but at the end of the day the overload can still cause problems in terms of aggression and, and liver and a whole lot of other things.
0: It's quite technical, and that's why I'm very glad that there's doctors like you that deal with these things, because I think us laymen <laughs> <laughs> will really get... We, we, we tend to get things a lot wrong, like yeah. wrong in yeah. ways that... We shouldn't have tampered with. Mm. So it sounds to me as before we take the break to go and listen to some music, to sort of just what I'm getting from this is it's so important to have the balance. The way that hormones have been designed in our bodies is to be in balance. The moment that we go out of balance, whether it is either through aging or some kind of illnesses or some kind of external use for, for, for bodybuilders, we're actually messing around with the balance. Correct. And we need to get the balance back into place. Absolutely correct. So we will, uh, you're listening to GSA Radio where you are family and we're going to take a short break and just listen to some music and then we'll be back listening and talking to and with Dr. Etzer Baraldi about hormones and testosterone.
4: Hello, darlings. This is your queen of the skies, Kathy Specific here. For the first time in history, an all-gay vacation hits the shores of Africa. Proudly brought to you by Africa. gay Join myself and the seductively saucy trolley dollies as we take you to the beautiful island of Mauritius to experience magnificent sun, sea, and surf, a few decadent parties, and the chance to make fabulous friends from all over the world. This unique event will be hosted by South Africa's aviation goddesses and your tantalizingly tempting poster girls for travel. For more information, buckle up, bitches, and book your spot at gaysayradio.co.za.
0: You are listening to GaySA Radio, where you are family. A warm welcome to our, all our listeners to our show called Let's Talk. This is a show where you are going to talk, we are going to talk about various topics that influence or can influence our daily life. The team, a warm welcome to our Let's Talk team, Dr. Ezio Baroldi, specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist, myself, Krista Kutsia, psychologist and psychosexologist, And another team member, Shaul Kriev, specialised counsellor with special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. So today it's only the two of us, Etzia and myself, in the studio, and we're talking about erectile dysfunction. Good morning, Krista. Yes, let's talk about (laughs) it. Or, in short, we often you will hear people referring to it as ED. Yes. So, what is erectile dysfunction? So
2: erectile dysfunction in the science is defined as the inability to get or maintain an erection that is good enough for penetration. Okay. That's the scientific definition.
0: I think it's quite important that you actually say that because I've had in the practice people coming to me and to say that they're complaining of erectile dysfunction just to find out that they cannot go five rounds anymore. Correct, yeah. yeah. So now they can go only one round, and now they say to me, I think I've got ED.
2: Yeah. So let's address that right up front, because it is a major issue. Mm. So when you've had sex and you've ejaculated, you've had an orgasm and you've ejaculated, that is followed by what we call the refractory
0: period. Okay.
2: It is a period of time when the penis will not respond. Mm -hmm. it Basically, you can see it as it needs to rest, it Mm -hmm. needs to recover, it needs to whatever. That refractory period is very short when we're young, it can be as as much as two minutes. Mm -hmm. But as we get older, it becomes longer and longer and longer, and in your 50s and 60s, it can be a a day before the penis can recover and have another, uh, another round of sex, as it were. Mm. So the multiple rounds uh, thing is a very interesting um, concept. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens, uh, basically, is in certain populations, mm. when they're having sex, there is very little foreplay. So we need to remember that when we're looking at males and females, our sexual response cycles are completely different. And we don't actually know that. Mm-hmm. Because as a male, I think a female will respond exactly the same way that I do, sexually. I've got nothing else to, con- to, to compare it to. Ah. I, I don't even, most of the time, have other males that I can compare it to.
0: And if you have those to compare it to, a lot of them don't they use the use opportunity to brag or boast or over emphasize certain factors, that's not always the exact
2: truth. That's not always there. There is a very big uh, bragging component to it, Mm. uh, particularly at the bar after a couple of drinks. Mm. So in females, um, females get sexually aroused at a much slower rate Mm -hmm. than males do. With the result that very often what happens in heterosexual sexual connection is that the male is finished way before the female is anywhere near Uh, An orgasm. Uh, You know, we joke about you know the most fun three minutes of Mm. this year, Mm. that kind of thing. So, in average, it takes about three to four minutes for a man to ejaculate and have an have an orgasm and ejaculate. For a woman, it can be as long as twelve to fifteen or even twenty minutes. Uh Okay. So, what really happens is, in most cases, he's finished and she's nowhere near being satisfied. Mm. So, what does the guy do? He hangs around for a few minutes gets an erection again, and goes for the second round, then a third round, then a fourth round, until such time as the female says, okay, I've had enough now. Mm. Okay, C- mm. because Now, that may all be very well as a coping mechanism mm. when you're young. But as you get older, you can't do that anymore. Mm. And we often see patients coming in saying, I've got a problem, I just can't go all these rounds. There's nothing wrong with mm. the erection. There's nothing wrong with anything. And I think okay. that's
0: the important part when we talk about erectile dysfunction. Function, yeah. it, like you were saying, is to get a, a, a hard enough erection in order to penetrate. penetrate. Yeah. Yeah. And if you cannot do that, that's when you talk about erectile dysfunction. Correct. So erectile dysfunction is not
2: about my penis is not doing what I want it to do. Okay? Erectile dysfunction is a physiological Thing. So, the multiple ground thing is not erectile dysfunction. It is simply a, uh, the refractory period that gets longer as we get older. Okay. And how do we fix that? Very simply, you have to accept that it exists. Mm-hmm. And you have to change the way you have heterosexual sex. Because mm-hmm. that is what foreplay is all about. Mm-hmm. Okay? Getting your female partner closer to orgasm with foreplay before you actually penetrate and... Finish the round as it were Okay. okay. So that's not erectile dysfunction Erectile dysfunction as we said Is the inability to achieve or maintain An erection that is long enough uh, For penetration okay. Okay? Now there are a number Of reasons for that Aging certainly uh, is a cause mm-hmm. So the older mm-hmm. we get The more things start going haywire But essentially The penis is a blood vessel And it needs to fill up With blood, in order to become erect and to function. Mm. Now, there are two components to that. One is the nerve input. So the nerve stimulation that goes from the brain into the penis and says, you now need to open up the blood vessels Mm -hmm. so that the blood can flow in. And there can be problems at that level. And so as we get older, for instance, we find that the brain stimulation to the penis in men mm-hmm. becomes less and less effective. And men, they need more and more direct physical stimulation in order to get that message to the penis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when males are young, they, they can be walking in a shopping center, they see somebody that they find sexually attractive, and before they know that they've got an erection. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That doesn't happen as you get older. That all goes. That initial brain stimulation becomes weaker and weaker, and it doesn't happen. So you okay. need more physical stimulation in order to get the message to the penis that it's now time to open up the blood vessels. Mm-hmm. The other problem that can happen is that the message goes through, but the blood vessels don't open. Okay. They don't respond. Because of a number of things, including diabetes, the mm-hmm. big one, mm-hmm. cholesterol problems, mm-hmm. high blood pressure, Those are the three big ones that can cause erectile dysfunction. A lot of people say testosterone, my testosterone must be low. That's why my penis is not working the way it should. And we must remember that testosterone does very little for performance, sexual performance. It is actually much more involved in sexual desire. So if testosterone is low, you might have low desire. But pushing up the testosterone is not necessarily going to help the erectile dysfunction. Having said that, all the interventions that we have to treat erectile dysfunction work better if the testosterone is normal. So it is something that one needs to look at when we are dealing with erectile dysfunction.
0: Something that is um, you mentioned now when you were saying is over and above the fact that the brain communication to the genitals as we're aging gets weaker, and that could have an impact on them. What I'm hearing is that if you are experiencing erectile dysfunction, somehow you have to praise the penis for telling you that there's something else underlying. Mm -hmm. So we actually should be grateful. That our bodies are somehow shouting out and to say, you need to have some things checked out that needs to be addressed. Because, you know, if you have cholesterol problems or diabetes or something and you're not aware of it, you're actually a walking time bomb.
2: Correct. So the research shows us that erectile dysfunction normally starts on average three to five years before your first heart attack. Uh Aha. And that is. Well
0: done for the penis.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is your barometer, it is your early warning system. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for that is that the artery, the blood vessel that feeds the penis, is a third of the size mm-hmm. of the arteries that feed the heart. And therefore it will block first. Okay. Okay, so it's a very early warning system. Granted, that's not all the reasons for erectile dysfunction. Emotional issues can also have a, a, a problem. Relationship issues can also have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Erectile dysfunction does cause performance anxiety, which we'll get to in a moment. And, and you know, um, eventually all of those factors are present in the bedroom when you're trying to have sex. Okay. But and they can all be addressed, uh, all of them. But the physical problems, the Mm. cholesterol Mm. and the sugar, are the primary thing that needs to be addressed, which
0: can be life-threatening. And I think we're going to take a short break and get listen to some music, and we will be back and continue our conversation about erectile dysfunction.
3: Gay SA Radio is an online radio station, and we stream through the internet. And many people say, but what about my data? Well, it only takes. 30 megabytes per hour to listen to Gay SA Radio. Now compare that to YouTube or Facebook, and you will know Gay SA Radio is affordable. Gay SA Radio, where you are family.
0: You are listening to Gay SA Radio, where you are family. And today we are busy talking about erectile dysfunction. And just before the break, we actually came to um, some kind of an understanding that the penis if the, the day that the penis starts behaving as if it doesn't want to work properly it's actually a messenger to say that there's something else going on and we need to address that and often it can be physiological so that needs to be addressed with a medical practitioner um, and then what treatments are available
2: so there are a number of treatments that are um Available for erectile dysfunction, the primary thing to do, of course, is to treat the cause. Mm-hmm. So we need to have a look at weight control, we need to have a look at sugar.
0: Weight control meaning?
2: Overweight. Okay. Overweight. Obesity causes a lot of physiological problems. So the weight uh, is, is an issue. Um, cholesterol mm-hmm. and sugar problems mm-hmm. often go together with overweight. The three Overweight, high cholesterol and high blood pressure Mm. are metabolic syndrome, which is the early stage of diabetes. Mm -hmm. So eventually those will form, will go together and you will be a full-blown diabetic. So you need to control each one of those elements. So first of all, we need to control those elements. Uh, Once that's done, we are better off at treating the penis itself. Now a lot of people don't want to wait two years to lose weight before the penis Mm. starts working again. So what I'm talking about now is the long-term approach, but most people want a short-term approach. Mm. They want to be able to have sex. And one of the things that happens when you have erectile problems is that you end up with performance anxiety. So that is a situation where we've tried to have sex and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. The damn thing wouldn't stay up and It's happened two or three or four times and I've become terribly embarrassed about it, and now I'm in a situation where I potentially can have sex, but do I want to have sex? Do I want to try again when another damn thing is not going to work? Do Uh I want to embarrass myself again? And that's called performance anxiety. Uh And if you do go through and start having sex, what really often happens is your mind is not in the moment, your mind is not in the sexual act, mm-hmm. your mind is concentrating on this damn penis and will it work, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. and then of course it won't because that creates anxiety, anxiety is driven by adrenaline and noradrenaline, more hormones, okay, mm-hmm. and those two hormones are also the hormones that tell the erection to go down uh-huh. once you've had your, uh-huh. your sex. So you're pushing it all up. Mm. Okay? And so you end up with this performance anxiety and I'm just, I'm just not going to go and put myself into mm. that situation mm. anymore. So that is something that needs to be addressed as well. In terms of the physical interventions uh, that we can do, remember that cholesterol and, and the blood pressure and all those things are long-term things. Yeah. In the short term, we can sort out testosterone levels. Okay uh, If they are low We need to bring them up And then we have Two basic interventions That can improve the erection The first one is an oral It's tablets mm-hmm. They're called the PDE5 inhibitors mm-hmm. And the PDE5 inhibitors What they do is They open up the blood vessels All over the body But in particular in the penis In the male penis Or in the, in, in the um, female clitoris mm-hmm. the Same physiology mm-hmm. And that allows the blood to flow through and it allows to be able to get a better erection. There are a few of them on the market, they will basically work the same way, the only difference is how long do they work for. Um, And you do get it from a physician? Yeah, so they are all on prescription. Mm. So like your steroids and testosterone that you can get at the gym, which are all black market, Mm -hmm. you've got no idea what's in there, Mm -hmm. you can also get some of these medicines on the street. Basically, they're not registered, they are illegal, and you have no idea what you're swallowing because it's not controlled.
0: So we're actually back to the discussion that we had in a previous session to say is when we're dealing with processes that are happening within the body, we need the eyes and the intervention of a trained Physician to assist us when we're going to start meddling mm. in balances and imbalances because we actually have no idea, we're going blind, yeah. And we, we actually have responsibility towards ourselves mm. to take care of ourselves,
2: absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit like um, we'll swallow anything provided it's natural. Your (laughs) petite. My petite, yeah. (laughs) Provided it's natural. Who guarantees that it's natural I have no idea. When everything is all ground up into a tablet, how do you know what's in there? Mm -hmm. You need some kind of a regulatory system that regularly checks those things and Mm -hmm. says, Yes, what they say on the label is in fact what is in the tablet. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. You need that guarantee. Because everything that you swallow eventually turns into a chemical which eventually has an effect on the body. Mm -hmm. And you would like to know which one, what chemicals you're actually swallowing So, and why. Remember also, we also need to remember that if it's so-called natural, it's not necessarily without any side effects. Mm -hmm. So some of these drugs can have drug-drug interactions where you take two medicines, or two compounds together and they interfere with each other okay. Okay? so that also needs to be kept in mind so if I'm prescribing a PDE5 inhibitor or any other drug I need to know what else the patient is taking and uh-huh. I need to know what is the potential, you need to work out what is the potential for things going wrong in between. Absolutely. and very often patients don't tell you when they're swallowing things that are off the counter uh-huh. okay? so one of the things that happens is if you have erectile dysfunction one of the things that patients do is they don't talk about it to anybody. Uh-huh. Okay, so we're at the bar, and you know, we hear that Peter's got erectile dysfunction, shame. Rather him than me. I'm so glad I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the next morning, I go off into the pharmacy, and I go and look at all the stuff that I can get off the shelf that is supposed to help for erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of herbs that have got some kind of effect there. But I just want our listeners to remember that if there was a herb that really had a good effect, Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you a pharmaceutical company would have grabbed it and marketed it. Mm -hmm. And everything for erectile dysfunction is scheduled for because it does have effects. So anything that you buy over the counter, essentially, you're wasting your money. There is also the placebo effect. And the placebo effect works in the way that I have now bought this there's make a lot of promises for this drug three of my friends are taking it and I've spent a lot of money on this Mm. therefore Mm. it will Mm. work Mm. I'm willing it to work I am going to will it to work I am going to Turn up that brain to penis connection, and I am going to tell the damn thing to you.
0: It's ac- interesting that you say it because of what we were saying earlier is that a- with aging, the brain penis connection somehow starts deteriorating. So if I have a lot invested, and in this case, financial, financial investment, and, and emotional, yes, my brain says it has to work so it actually highlights (laughs) the connection between the brain brain, and the penis absolutely yes and what we often see is
2: uh when patients eventually come in they've tried they've tried all these things Mm. and what i often hear is look i I tried these pills and they worked for the first two three weeks they worked and then now they're not working anymore Mm. am Mm. i getting Mm. worse Mm. no you're not getting worse your brain is just tired of the novelty. <laughs> <laughs> the brain
0: had to overwork to get the penis to, to work.
2: work. Yeah, <laughs> correct. So we are looking at treating with prescribed products that are um, with the quality and the content is uh, measured and guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at the PD-5 inhibitors. Those are the oral tablets. Okay. Um, there's uh, three of them on the market and a number of generics on the market as well. And they all work differently, but they should all work for uh, for most patients Okay. for patients where that doesn't work anymore where there has been so much damage to the penis mm-hmm. that uh, those doctors are not strong enough then there are the intercavenosal injections okay. why am I saying where there is too much damage to the penis quite simply because a penis that is not erect is not breathing remember it is a blood vessel okay. it needs blood flow into it To get its nourishment, to get its food supply, to get its oxygen supply, Uh which is why men get erections while they sleep. Mm. It's part of feeding it. If you don't get those erections, your penis is starved of nutrients and oxygen and eventually there will be damage, right? Is that why they say if you don't use it, you lose it? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. And that goes for the penis as well as for anything else in the body. Because it there's another myth going
0: around where actually where, where some of the men will say is, I'm having ED because I've overused oh, no my sense. penis. So that is another one that's actually running around and people talking to say is, uh, yo, you overused your penis, it's tired of being used. Yeah, and that's is. why ED is. So it's important to actually hear this so that we can get the facts out there. Mm,
2: absolutely. The, there's no such thing as overusing your penis That's really a myth And it is um, a blame-shame game mm-hmm. That we do in, in society So you've overused your penis And it doesn't work Well that's your due reward mm-hmm. I haven't and mine is still working mm-hmm. okay? It's the mm-hmm. us and them and the shame and the blame That's nonsense, mm-hmm. all nonsense
0: So to wrap it up I think when there's been so much valuable information about erectile dysfunctions, and thank you for, for opening it up, and I'm sure we can have long conversations about this, and we'll most probably revisit this in, in a couple of sessions later. God, yes. what, what is important is that when the, when the penis is not behaving the way that we need it to behave to be able to penetrate, There's a physician to go to, and you can actually go and have it addressed. There's treatment available. And what you've also touched on, it's uh, to say, is often there's some psychological and emotional trauma or emotional processes that need to be addressed. You were talking about performance anxiety, relationship dynamics, those type of things. So it most probably will be useful to say is, if I experience erectile dysfunction, There's two lines of assistance and support I need to explore. The one is the physiological, which will be your medical doctor. And the other one is to find a psychologist or a counselor that deals specifically with sexual um, concerns that we can actually just deal with the psychological and emotional aspects. Because if you address both of those, then we're actually heading towards a success story in the future.
2: Correct. And they are never not together, they are always together mm. so a sexual problem can cause a psychological effect a psychological effect can cause a sexual problem, they are, they are always intertwined they are never two separate things
0: Thank you, you're listening to I Radio where you are family and we're looking forward to having you back at our next talk show
4: Hello darlings this is your queen of the skies Cathy Specific here for the first time in history an all-gay vacation hits the shores of Africa proudly brought to you by Gay. join myself and the seductively saucy trolley dollies as we take you to the beautiful island of Mauritius to experience magnificent sun sea and surf a few decadent parties and the chance to make fabulous friends from all over the world This unique event will be hosted by South Africa's aviation goddesses and your tantalizingly tempting poster girls for travel. For more information, buckle up bitches and book your spot at gsaradio.co.za.
0: You are listening to GSA Radio, where you are family. Welcome to all our listeners to our show called Let's Talk. This is the show where we are going to talk ...about various topics that influence our daily lives or can influence our daily lives. A warm welcome to the Let's Talk team, Dr. Etio Baroldi, our specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist. Myself, Krista Kutsia, psychologist and psychosexologist. And our other team member, Shal Grief, specialized counselor with special interest in gay and lesbian relationships... For today's to- talk, it's myself and Dr. Beraldi, and we are talking about ejaculatory problems. Good morning. A big word. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. What are these? What problems are these?
2: So, ejaculatory problems are situations where the ejaculation is not what we want it to be.
0: Okay. What so we or what they, our partners? A bit of both. I think, <laughs> okay. a, bit of
2: a, I think a bit of both. So let's start with uh, premature ejaculation. Perfect. Okay. Premature ejaculation happens when the orgasm is too quick, and so the male orgasm is so quick that it doesn't really allow for the uh, orgasm of the other partner. Okay. okay? So you know we start playing and boom, it's happened, Mm -hmm. and that can be distressing to both parties, mm-hmm. okay, heterosexual, gay, whatever, it, mm-hmm. it can be distressing, mm-hmm. because you've just started, and boom, it's finished. Mm-hmm. So what causes that? Well, excitement can cause that. So if it's something that happens every now and again, because you've met someone that is just so hot, uh-huh. um, the excitement can do it, mm-hmm. okay, but that's unusual. Most of the time, premature ejaculation, and I'm not going to put a timeline on it, Mm. for how long should the simulation be before ejaculation because there is no way that we can actually measure that we have got research with uh, people standing by in a bedroom with a, with, a, with a stopwatch trying to see what is normal and it just doesn't work uh, so we actually don't have that but, so we'd rather talk about ejaculation which is too quick it causes distress to the parties mm. so there are two kinds of premature ejaculations one of them is your physiological premature ejaculation. Most people, all people, in fact, when they are having sex, there is a build-up of sexual tension, which then reaches a point beyond which orgasm happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, the so-called point of no return. Okay, the point where you can't stop it any longer. Mm. Okay, and. People know where that point is. Mm. So if you're reaching, getting close to that point, you can slow down, or you can change your technique to bring it down again. The physiological premature ejaculation problem is where men cannot feel where that point is. So they actually don't know Mm. that they're building up and that they're going to ejaculate. And Mm. the next thing they know, boom, they've ejaculated. Mm. Mm. So they've got no control over it. Mm. Now those are very, very few. That is a brain connection thing, and you were born like that, but there are very, very few that um, actually fit into that category. The biggest category is your habitualization. This is where you have got used to working very quickly to achieve an orgasm, Mm -hmm. and that is what you're used to. That is your pattern. Mm -hmm. Okay? Whether it comes from masturbatory activity or whether it comes from coital activity, it doesn't really matter. That is what you are used to. Mm. And we see a lot of that, particularly in young people. And one of the reasons for that is masturbation, obviously, Mm -hmm. the speed at which you masturbate in order to to achieve an orgasm. And in situations where you have no privacy Mm. growing up, In situations where you've got an over dominant mother, for instance, Mm -hmm. that is going to be checking at all the little bits of tissue paper that are running around the house, Mm. where you are always scared of being caught, Mm. then obviously you want to go faster and faster and get Mm. it done. Okay? And that, and eventually you get into that habit. Mm. And that then becomes normal for you. Mm. uh, The speed becomes normal for you. When you come in a situation where there is a partner involved, then there might be a difference in speeds. Mm. And that causes distress, mm. obviously. Whether it's a male-female situation, whether it's two males, it doesn't matter. You can have that distressful situation whenever you're in a sexual situation.
0: Where, where there's two parties, and, and but, I, yeah. I often hear it in practice as well, is, and we have to bear in mind, the moment that there is another person that is entering your physical space where you're going to a sexual space, the person comes with a different frame of mind, a different experience a different physiological response, so things become a little bit more complicated, complicated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when you've
2: got two different scripts
0: absolutely. Yeah. and to try and get both scripts to reconnect on and be exactly on the same page at exactly the same point I think very important for people to realize this myth and idea out there that every couple all the time, whenever they have sex, they come at the same time. Hmm. That's movies.
2: That's just in in the movies. So
0: we have an unrealistic expectation.
2: Correct. Absolutely. But there is still a situation where a person might have premature ejaculation Or want to do something about
0: it Absolutely okay.
2: So what do we do about it?
0: Are they treatment? Are they pills? Because you know people Everybody like to They want to swallow something and fix it
2: mm. Everybody <laughs> wants a pill yeah. So actually the treatment for that is You got into the habit Of ejaculating that fast mm-hmm. You now need to get into the habit Of ejaculating slower
0: So I have to unlearn
2: You have to unlearn and relearn Okay. Mm-hmm. There are ways, obviously the stop-start technique uh, mm-hmm. is one of them, where when you feel that you're building up towards the orgasm, you stop the stimulation and the feeling then goes back. Okay. That's one technique. There's the squeeze technique uh, for the penis, mm-hmm. where if you, you actually give the head of the penis a very hard squeeze, mm-hmm. the erection will go down.
0: Okay. okay. Like Clap the, club
2: club of the okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wrapped over the knuckles. <laughs> yeah, wrapped over the knuckles. Yeah. So they work up to a point, but the real treatment is to learn where that point of no return is, okay. and as you're getting mm-hmm. closer to it, to learn the discipline of stopping the stimulation. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a big one. There's also medication we can use, but I'll discuss that in a moment.
0: These techniques that you're talking about, you say, is to learn that. Do you bring your partner in, in this process, or is that something that you do on your own?
2: So I think it is initially something that you do on your own, Mm -hmm. because you need to re-listen to what your body is saying to you. Mm -hmm. You need to reconnect with that. There are also uh, the partner can also help, mm-hmm. um, and the partner needs to know that if if you just suddenly freeze mm-hmm. and do nothing, okay, it, you haven't had a heart attack or a stroke or something. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. you just have to mm-hmm. stop the stimulation. So mm-hmm. they need to know what's going on. Okay. But in terms of training yourself to uh, to slow down, there's jholing. Mm-hmm. It's also a technique that people are going to look up on the internet. There's tantra. Mm -hmm. all of these things all all of these are uh, techniques where you get very close to the point of no return and then uh, let it go down again and rebuild it again Mm -hmm. Um, and that makes for very intense orgasms Mm -hmm. because it increases the amount of stimulation to everything else So when eventually it does happen uh, it's a very intense orgasm Mm -hmm. so apart from anything else it's worthwhile learning the techniques
0: so the important thing and and, uh, just before We're going to go into a quick break and listen to some music. What I am hearing is, with premature ejaculation, there are techniques. So it's not necessarily the pulls that we have to wait for. There's techniques that we can unlearn and relearn. So that I can gain some control over my own body. And get control over the right muscles at the right place in my body That I can feel And know the feeling Because mm-hmm. that, that I'm not being caught of God Correct And those are what you, you've named a couple And I think maybe just rephrase them For our listeners that wanted to make it, Quickly grab a pen to write them down mm-hmm. What are techniques that I can go And search for In order to assist myself
2: Okay, so there's the squeeze technique There's gel queen mm-hmm. With a Q and there is tantra that uh, they can go and look up on the web oh and the other thing that of course I forgot is the Kegel exercises Uh, Kegel exercises are where you actually need to learn where your pelvic muscles are Mm. pelvic muscles have got a very big influence on uh, ejaculation Mm. Um, and if you can't control them properly you can have ejaculatory problems either too quick or too slow Um, For listeners who uh, Want to look it up uh, Kegel exercises um, You can look them up on the web But basically they are the muscles That you use To prevent peeing. So when you want to have a pee And a quick pee And you want to hold it back Those are the muscles that you're contracting And the exercises uh, are to um, Strengthen those uh, Those muscles in the Mm. pelvic On the the pelvic Mm. floor Mm.
0: Thank you. We're going to take a short break, then listen to some music, and we'll be back.
3: Keep, Keep listening, listening to Gay SA Radio, where you are family.
0: You're listening to Gay SA Radio, where you are family, and th- today we're talking about ejaculatory problems. Just before the break, we had a discussion on premature ejaculation, and Dr. Baraldi gave us a couple of very valuable tips and certain techniques that we can go and explore The other ejaculatory problem that people are experiencing is delayed ejaculatory problems. Can you help us to understand that a bit?
2: So delayed ejaculation is precisely the opposite of premature ejaculation. It is where you are having sex and all the stimulation is there, but you just don't get to an orgasm and ejaculation. Mm. I'd like our listeners to be aware of the fact that orgasm and ejaculation Mm -hmm. are not the same thing. They are two completely separate processes. We think that they are the same because they happen so close to each other, Mm -hmm. but they are actually two completely different um, processes. So your classical patient will come in and say, Doc, I just keep on going and going and going and then nothing happens and eventually I'm exhausted or I give up or I get bored. Mm Okay. Um, where does that happen? How often does that happen? It's actually quite common uh, in modern day and age. And the majority of it, well, there are two causes. One is neurological, mm-hmm. where the nerves are not working properly, uh, which is very, very seldom uh, the case. But the biggest cause of it is antidepressants. So we have medication for uh, depression that can cause delayed ejaculation. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the, the, the medicines land up almost blocking the firing mechanism mm. uh, in the nerve system. Mm. Okay? Um, your, most of your commonly used antidepressants can have that effect. Mm-hmm. We can have erectile dysfunction where the erection is not coming up with some of the blood pressure medicines and some of the other things that we're using, but they don't cause cause... Uh, delayed ejaculation per Mm, se mm. but it's mostly the antidepressants that do that so uh, from the antidepressant point of view remember antidepressants are a whole family of different medicines we can use and they're all different they might all be fundamentalists but some of them have got blue eyes and some of them are short and (laughs) some of them are long so uh, they all work differently so Uh it's important that you don't blame the whole family when there's just one person in it Mm. that's causing it Um, the other thing of course is that we can use some of the antidepressants for premature ejaculation.
0: Absolutely.
2: So we then use that antidepressant for its side effect Mm. of slowing down the ejaculation for Mm. those that ejaculate too quickly. Mm. Okay? Mm. So we're using that. That's one example of using a drug for its side effect rather than for its primary effect. Okay. Okay? So if you had delayed ejaculation um, and it is caused by the antidepressant, then the one thing you must not do Ever With an antidepressant Is suddenly stop it
0: Absolutely
2: Okay Because your brain Has got used to functioning With the help of the medication mm. You now suddenly stop it And it can't do it mm. And you will go straight back Into a depression mm. So You need to get Professional advice on that Do you still need The antidepressant mm-hmm. First of all Secondly Do we still need This dosage of antidepressant mm-hmm. And thirdly, is there there a different antidepressant that we can use that might have less of a problem with ejaculation? Absolutely. And these are discussions you need to have with your physician or your psychiatrist. Because once you're an antidepressant, you need to be able to uh, manage it, and if you're going to come off it, you need to be able to taper it down.
1: Mm.
2: All of them because your brain needs to be able to learn to function again without the help of the antidepressant mm. and just stopping the pills, you're just going to look for problems, mm. so mm. although the temptation is there that um, I'm having an ejaculatory problem, for heaven's sake, I've just met somebody, let me just dump these pills that's not the right thing to mm. do, really mm. not you're just doing yourself more of a damage okay. um, there are some antidepressants that actually uh, speed mm. up uh, ejaculation mm-hmm. and one can certainly have a look at those uh, in conjunction with your physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like with most medications, there can be drug drug interactions so you've got to have a look at the whole package exactly what also you're, you're, you're swallowing uh, and taking because everything has an effect on everything
0: what, what is important and, and you keep on talking about we have to talk to our physician. Mm. And I think that is the important part that, that is coming out every time we talk about experiences of sexual discomfort or dis- disorders is people don't talk. Correct. And if we don't talk and we just try and fix things on our own, we might be panel beating something, but we're actually not getting to the right core. Of the, of the cause of it and we might be thinking that I'm battling with, with uh, erectile dysfunction meanwhile back at the ranch I've got delayed ejaculation and right. I didn't even know because I don't know the names yeah. I don't know I just experienced that something is not right so it's important that you talk to your doctor about these things because doctors don't always ask you right. about these things
2: right. unfortunately um, that is one of the problems um, sexual medicine is not really taught very well at medical schools and that's global and of course your physician sits there with his own sexual issues like everybody else mm-hmm. does he's, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a medi so in very often your uh, healthcare practitioner will not ask the, uh, the question up front and if they do very often they might catch you by surprise mm-hmm. as the patient mm-hmm. okay? and what do you do then oh my god, he's asked me this question, and no, no, it's fine. Mm. It's fine, I don't have any problems in that department. Mm. And then you go out and you think, shit, man, I should have told him something. Yeah. 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 Because I I wasn't ready to bring it to the table because it could be by surprise. So don't be scared of asking your healthcare practitioner. Ask them. There's no embarrassment around it. Your healthcare practitioner may not be fully trained in sexual medicine, which is fine, he doesn't have to be. But... He can have a look at the basic drug-drug interactions, he can make a diagnosis, and he can refer you to someone that works in the field. So, but until you start that process, nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah. And what I see with patients coming in sometimes is that they have tried this, they have tried that, they have tried the over-the-counter, they have spoken to their friends, they have gone on to Google they have tried herbal products they have gone to a meditation session with somebody who can does whatever and at the end of the day they come in because they're desperate because now they are fully convinced that it's terminal the condition Mm -hmm. Mm has gone so Mm -hmm. far and it's so bad that there's nothing you can do about it and all that emotional pain that you put yourself through by trying to fix something you don't understand Mm -hmm. is completely unnecessary Mm -hmm. Completely unnecessary. So my advice to people is, if there is a sexual issue, bring it to a healthcare practitioner, start the process of having it properly evaluated, and then we can see how far it is, and we can see how serious the problem really is. Mm. Because if you just Google you know, you'll be dead in two weeks, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you are going to find something wrong with yourself on Google. Absolutely, you must. That's guaranteed. guaranteed. Whether that is the right thing that's wrong with you, we don't know. <laughs> Itza, what would you, in terms of wrapping up today, be talking about ejaculatory problems, premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, what is the essence you want the listeners to take with them today?
2: Well, definitely, if you've got either one of those two, it has to be your issue, not your partner's issue. Mm-hmm. Okay? It has to be something that you experience and you are unhappy with, not something that your partner says, hey, it's too long or too short or whatever. It's the way you feel about it. It's got to cause distress to you, and you need then to see a physician for that. You need to get professional advice For sorting it out. Remember also that in a relationship situation, when you are with a partner, there may be a difference in ejaculatory speeds, which is fine, but you mustn't let the relationship put even more stress on you. So you mustn't go and look for help because the partner wants you to do it. It has to be something that distresses you.
0: For me, what is crucial, what you're saying, is that the individual... To say is You must experience the distress But if it is causing Relationship distress yep. I would then Suggest that as a couple,
2: as a couple You do, you do go yeah.
0: For some counselling So that we can actually talk about that mm. And find a way to say is Where is the middle ground Of meeting one another So that it becomes A healthier sexual environment where both parties can adjust or help or work together to find a medium that works for both.
2: Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. So if you are in a relationship, it's not a question of. You're going to look for help because you've been sent to look for help. Uh You need to come in as a as as a a, a couple and work it out together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Etta. You are listening to GaySI Radio, where you are family, and this is the wrap up for ejaculatory problems. Let's talk. Do you want to meet the person who can introduce you to your next client? Net Your Niche is an online networking platform that reduces the time. Money and effort of traditional marketing and allows you to focus on what truly matters. Meeting someone who can refer you to the exact person you're looking for. No more calling secretaries and being put on hold. Sign up today at a 20% discount and make sure you don't miss out on meeting new clients any longer. Visit us on NYN or call us on zero one two nine four seven nine five double nine you are listening to Gay radio where you are family. Welcome to all our listeners to our show called Let's Talk. This is the show where we're talking about various topics that Influence our daily lives or can influence our daily lives. A warm welcome to the Let's Talk team. Dr. Ezio Beraldi, our specialist medical practitioner and medical sexologist. Chris Lakutsia, myself, psychologist and psychosexologist. And then Shol our specialist counselor with special interest in gay and lesbian relationships. For today's topic, it's myself and Dr. Beraldi in studio. And we are talking about desire disorder. Hello Krista Hello, uh, So where do we start Do you have a desire for today's topic
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, desire disorders um, Sexual desire disorders I presume you're talking about You're not talking about hamburgers Yes, desire disorder in men And in women is very common Mm -hmm. And it is a uh, place where There's a lot of relationship problems And a lot of strife that can come from desire disorders. Because invariably, well, there are two issues. One is in the person themselves, and the male themselves, and in, if, in a, if they are in a relationship, it, a whole different dynamic happens. Mm. So desire disorder in the individual male can be physiological, can be part of something happening with the body, and or something happening with the perception, the person's perception of their sexual identity. What do I mean by that? Well the physiological very often is a low testosterone. Remember that testosterone doesn't do very much for sexual performance, but it is involved in sexual desire. So if testosterone is low, then you're likely not to have a lot of desire. There isn't that drive to have sex. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that should be checked. Mm -hmm. That's a blood test Mm -hmm. That, that needs to be done. The other Reason for desire, the so-called desire disorder, is suppressed desire in an individual, and that is where a person has got a disturbed body image. They may be overweight. They may have had bad relationships in the past. Mm-hmm. They may have had um, unsuccessful trials at hookups, you know, on the dating apps and in, in uh, places where people meet. And then that person just says, you know what, I'm just going to suppress this desire because it's not going to go anywhere anyway, okay? I am just not putting myself out there to be hurt again. And so the desire is there, but it's suppressed. The treatment for desire disorder obviously is to handle both of those issues within the individual. When we're looking at a relationship where there's another party involved, then things get incredibly more complex because invariably the person who doesn't have the desire might not want to have sex with their partner because of a whole lot of relationship issues Uh, and therefore saying, you know we're just not going to go there the partner on the other hand develops issues out of that because now what is wrong? Mm. is there a third party in the mix? have I done something wrong? am I no longer attractive? do I need to go for a boob job? or whatever it is. So the other person in the relationship internalizes that behavior and very often thinks it's either because of a threat from another party outside or it is their fault. And that then causes, uh, from from there, there are a lot of other relationship problems. Mm -hmm. So desire disorder is something that needs to be addressed because it can have uh, physical causes, but the majority of the problem is in the relationship and in the psychosexual makeup of the individual.
0: Is it possible, and I think that's, that's what a lot of people ask themselves, if they've been in a, very, in a long relationship, and there's history, like we all have, the longer the, longer the relationship uh, the more history there is, Correct. and uh, the dynamics that go around, mm-hmm. and the, st- the daily stress. Correct. Could that be one of the reasons why the desire, the desire disorder, actually sh- starts showing its face?
2: Yeah, I think it is one of the factors. Mm-hmm. If we have a look at the statistics in new relationships, sexual activity is quite frequent. Mm-hmm. The longer the relationship exists, the less frequent the sexual activity becomes. Mm. Now that can be because of the history that's building up. But in men, at any rate, uh, it is very often habituation. Men need diversity. Mm -hmm. That's how we're made. We are made to impregnate as many females as possible. Yeah. And even in gay relationships, it's the same thing. There's always this looking around. There's always this looking for something different. Mm-hmm. We go onto the website and we look at pornography. But we don't look at the same pornography twice because now it's boring, We're going to look at something else. Okay. So there's that continuous need for innovation and for new stimulation. Mm-hmm. So in a relationship where things become routine, That stimulation disappears Mm. So you know it's Friday evening We're going to eat fish and chips And then we're going to have sex We've been doing that for the past five years Mm. It's boring Mm. It becomes work As opposed to something exciting That you're going to do Mm. So in in those situations The couples need to spice up their relationship By doing different things Mm. By trying to remember uh, And perhaps even recapture What got you together in the first
0: place What I often see in practice, and that is as the pressure of daily life actually increases, there's so much to do, the pressure at work, the demand, the hours that are being spent to just keep afloat, results in the couple actually spending less and less quality individual time. Or time as a couple. Together, yeah. So they don't, the, the, the couple does not get the injection on a daily basis to, to keep it going. Mm-hmm. We, and we start actually living past one another. Correct. So when we are then together, it's like it, it, we have to st- again sort of find a way to connect and then there's history of where it takes too much effort, everybody's exhausted, so you, you actually start looking for quick fixes mm. and you look for diversity somewhere else. Somewhere else or
2: in something else.
0: Or in something
2: you else. Know, uh, and often these days it's, you know, on, it's a computer screen mm-hmm. that, that provides that. And the, for me, that is a completely natural thing that should happen. What is unnatural? is that the couple don't do it together
1: mm-hmm.
2: because if they did it together especially a two male couple they both have the same need for diversity and visual stimulation men are very visual uh-huh. um, and if they do it together then they can bring that diversity into their normal relationship mm-hmm. and rekindle uh, thing. and it's very often it's a question of just initially it's the video is the stimulation and then we get into each other because that's why we're in a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, and the bit you just plays along in the background by itself. Mm-hmm. But those are the things you need to start doing together. I think what happens in long-term relationships, we stop doing things together mm-hmm. because of all the factors that you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And you actually have to start making dates, make a date with each other, and we are going to do this, we are going to do that, we plan it, we take the phones off the hook. If you still have phones, otherwise you switch off your cell phone. You switch off the front doorbell or whatever else. You just cut out all things that could possibly intervene and you spend that quality time together.
0: So so what we're actually saying to one another that when we talk about desire disorder, the majority of the cause of this disorder is not physiological. The majority of it is actually got to do with the fact that we are not into one another because we're passing one another. Is that what we're saying?
2: Not quite. So from a psychological point of view, yes. From a physiological point of view, testosterone declines with age. And if you are overweight, for instance, uh, testosterone will be low. You most likely also will have um, metabolic syndrome. Um, And that can be the start of... Uh, a low desire disorder which is then complicated by everything else we've been talking about Mm -hmm. but for men um, definitely if there's a desire disorder I just don't feel like it I'm not even masturbating I don't feel like it at all look at the testosterone Mm. and in particular uh, although this can happen to all men but the bear community Mm -hmm. needs to look at that very carefully because overweight with very often high blood pressure with very often high cholesterol, metabolic syndrome will bring down the testosterone. Mm -hmm. So it could be a symptom of other things that are going on in the body that need to be addressed. So we can't just say it's all relationship issues. Granted, we all accept that the best aphrodisiac is your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, But there may be other physiological issues. So For men, definitely, it's an issue that they need to have looked at from a medical point of view.
0: Okay, wonderful. I think we're going to take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be back.
3: I know you will like Essay Radio on Facebook. There's the main page, Essay Radio, as well as all the show pages. Like us there.
0: You are listening to Essay Radio, where you are family. And today we're talking about desire disorder. Now, just before the break, we were touching on a little bit, and it so helped me to understand as a woman, so men... Often when we talk about desire disorder, there can be a physiological Goodness. aspect to it. The interesting thing is that we find with women is, and, we, and often when I work with women, is they say we need to get you out of your head and into your body. Because women tend to not be in the mood. They are busy with house chores. They're busy running around, doing certain things. They are the home carer, the the, the nurturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, physiologically and spontaneously and traditionally, that is how we were designed. And what they have found is that women tend to have a, spon- a, a responsive desire. Okay. So what happens is we often are not in the mood. But when I'm being prodded and poked and felt and in the right way and I'm open to it, I, it starts feeling nice and I sc- start getting into the mood. So often what we tend to find is if you're going to sit and wait until you are in the mood as a woman, you're not going to go there. Mm. Especially if uh, once the bonding phase, the initial, you know, all I can't get, get yeah. on without you, all of those hormones are there actively getting you. You get to the point of where the nesting starts happening. The spontaneous desire tends to go more into the background. Now it's maintaining the status quo at home. You know, the nesting, everybody must feel okay. So the sexual desire tends to wane. So we have to, and we touched on it earlier, and to say we need to make sure that the the couple actually get time and spend time together and do things together to open the door. For this sexual exploring To happen Otherwise it's just too many steps That need to happen Before I actually get into the mood
2: So that's interesting Because obviously men are completely different (laughs) (laughs) That's why we say We are two separate species But in men The desire very often is quite spontaneous Mm -hmm. So you you, you just have that sexual drive As a male Where you just feel like sex Mm -hmm. And you will do something about it Mm. very often. It's a drive, it's a a push. So whether it's masturbation or looking for a partner or whatever, you're going to get that release because Mm. there's a push to it. Mm. It's almost like, uh, you know, for men not to respond to that, you know, if if you're going to say, you know, you should be celibate, you shouldn't do any of this. It's almost like saying you must never pee again. Mm. It's just impossible. Mm. It's a drive. It's Mm. that strong. Okay. In males, of course, when there's a desire disorder, where mm. I now don't feel like anything, it becomes a sort of feeling a bit more like a woman, not like you know, like I'm going to respond to something but I don't initiate something. Mm.
1: Mm.
2: And then if my partner wants to initiate something and my penis doesn't respond because mm. of other issues, mm. then all hell breaks loose. Mm. Mm. So. Often that desire disorder in men is to avoid embarrassment with erectile difficulties, and those can be addressed and fixed. Mm. So it, it's really not. A, there's no reason why anybody should be suffering because of that. And once you fix that, I always say to my patients, you know what, if you're going to build a wall, you need tools. So let's make sure you've got the right tools, and then you can go and decide where and how this wall is going mm. to be. But you can't go and build a wall without the tools. Mm-hmm. So you need that first. So that desire disorder is the desire to pick up the toolbox and take it to build the wall. Okay? Mm. That is hormone-related. Mm. Okay? The toolbox is the functioning, and where you're going to build the wall is the outcome that you actually want. Mm. So with a desire disorder, you would become... I'm not entirely sure if reactive is going to fix it because of the other problems that might be there. Okay? Mm. It might just be more pressure. Mm. It might become mm. a feeling of, I'm doing work now. It's for Friday mm. evening, we have to do it. Mm. It's that kind of a feeling. From that point of view, I think women sound to me a lot easier because the minute there is stimulation of some kind, it kicks in. Mm. Or do we also have in women all the other issues? of body have... This, this morphic disorder, all of Absolutely.
0: those things. Absolutely. And, and I think overloaded, overstressed, and I think we, we cannot, we have to bring that in. I think mm. the reality of today's stressful life often impacts my ability to be present enough, to be there or want to engage, it's like I just need to, I'm exhausted. So people are are tired. And the relationship tends to be pushed back to the back burner because what pays the rent? So we have longer hours of working and less relationship time. Mm. So if we're dealing with physiological concerns, and we're dealing with, I actually need to be in the mood in order to go there. And we sit with exhaustion. We're sitting with troubled relationship futures. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's another topic for maybe another day. But that is really something important to talk about. And then we start taking, you talking about men, and the impact of antidepressants. Yeah. And often women, if you are already not a spontaneous desire person, the and you a, antidepressants. and you add, antidepressants. And, and I was wondering in terms of birth control,
2: hmm.
0: of the impact of birth control on desire.
2: It has a huge impact.
0: So we, we're sitting here with, if it is heterosexual couples, hmm. we're sitting with two different species that mm. we're trying to get together yeah. to actually have a long-term relationship. Yeah. And we have physiological differences and we have emotional differences. And then we have the daily pressures of life mm. and different medications. So it becomes quite complex. And I, and I like what you were saying earlier. It's a, say it's, it's so important that we stop for a moment and stop looking for is there something wrong with me Mm. is there something wrong with you what is wrong with our relationship we need to really professionally go and sit down to say what are things that can be fixed that can be addressed what are medications that we can reduce what are supporting therapies that can be brought in and then how can we as a couple deal with whatever challenges here to make sure that What brought us together the first time? We rekindle.
2: Correct. The other thing that we need to address, though, is expectations. Mm -hmm. So, as a man, I am expected to, by who, I don't know, have sex every day, let's say. Mm. Society has got certain expectations. Mm. We all grow up thinking a relationship is going to be A, B, C, D, and E, this is how it's going to be. Mm. And maybe one of the things that we need to sit down and quietly talk about is our expectations. Mm. Are our expectations reasonable? Are they viable? I mean, if you're sitting in a low paid job and you've got two kids, why have an expectation that you're going to have the life of a jet setter? Mm. Is that a reasonable expectation? It's a nice thing to want to do, Mm. but is it reasonable? And if it's not likely to happen, how much effort are you going to put into it? Mm. And I'm not saying that you you get to a point where you have to lower your standards, but I do think you Mm. have to get to a point where you need to be realistic about what can be achieved. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to be unhappy all the time. Mm. And the desire order fits into that category, it's mm-hmm. not a unique thing to desire disorder. but it does fit into that category of, you know what, um, I've got a stressful job, I've got this, I've got that, I've got the two kids, and we've got the two dogs that are forever fighting with each other, or whatever it is, and I don't even have sex. What mm-hmm. kind of a life do I have? Mm-hmm. You know, and you kind of give up and just go from one one morning to the next morning, to the next breakfast, to the next morning, and just carry on like a like a machine. Mm-hmm. And where is the quality of life there? So all of these things impact on the quality of life. I think that, that's the ultimate measurement that we should have a look at. Mm. It doesn't matter how many times there is sex in the week. It doesn't matter how much you're earning. The issue is, put it all together. What is your quality of life, and where can you change it? Mm. And you find, I'm sure, that the minute we change one parameter, there, one thing there, the quality of life changes. And automatically, all the others also change. Mm. So if I'm working too much overtime, work out a way of not needing to do that, whether it is because we reduce the expenditure or I'm changing jobs or whatever it is. Once that stress is off, my desire disorder might also improve. Mm. Now I've got more time for my family. And mm. I've got more time for my relationship and all the others. So they are all interlinked mm. to a large extent. And I think blaming desire disorder for a lot of the problems is not, it's not the cause, it's maybe the result of a lot of things.
0: Absolutely. And I think that is, that's quite crucial. As I, I always say, we cannot... Life's pressure and what it taxes you to actually deal with on a daily basis is not necessarily going to change. Mm. Because that you need to keep the roof over your head and you need to actually pitch up and do your job. Mm. Because that pays the bills. But... We have to find out what where we actually can restructure some of our time in a more constructive way. Mm. So we need to work within the parameters and say how can I approach this that my relationship gets priority as well. Mm. Because we often overcommit on things and the place that actually gets the worst part of me is my relationship, because that's it's the, the end of the day. I always say, in the morning, yeah. I get up and I'm fresh, and who gets the best of me the whole day that I'm working? My work people.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: Tonight, then I, that my tank is all exhausted, who gets that part of? My relationship. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So, I need to... Look at where my relationship can become a priority. And the moment that that happens, my bucket starts being filled and my desire disorder starts being pushed to the end because now I want to spend time with you. And the moment that there's that want... A lot of these things start coming by themselves. And then obviously, yes, you look at the physiological aspects that you can address. You look at the medication that you are on Mm. um, that could possibly contribute to the desired disorder and address that with your physician. Yeah. And then you deal with your relationship as well. So it's actually a two-pronged approach, like we were discussing. Whenever we're experiencing sexual discomfort, disorders, all of those sexual problems, we need to realize that there's often, it stands on two legs. There
2: are two causes. And the
0: the, the one can be a physiological, and the other one is a psychological, emotional, or relationship um, Hmm. aspect.
2: I think just for men... It's also important to remember that you can have a relationship without sex. And mm-hmm. that sex doesn't define your relationship. Mm-hmm. So if, we, if a, a relationship is built on sex, when the novelty wears off, the relationship will go. Mm-hmm. If you are in a long-term relationship, there's obviously more that's holding you together than just the sexual component. Mm-hmm. Okay? And it's okay. Okay just to spend time with each other in the relationship. Mm. And if the one has got erectile dysfunction and it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. It's not a sign that he's not interested anymore, Mm -hmm. which is how it's very often interpreted. You're not getting an erection, therefore I'm not turning you Uh on. And that's dreadful. But if you're in a proper relationship and the relationship is strong, then you can understand that these are things that happen as you get older. You can address them together with the help of a clinician or a, a, a therapist. And you can build on the relationship because ultimately what you really Mm -hmm. want in your life is that relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. the the orgasm Mm -hmm. because that comes and goes. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, we can't remember our orgasms. Mm -hmm. There are very few of us that can actually recapture in our own mind a memory of an orgasm. Whereas you can recapture in your own mind a lot of things about your relationship. That is really where... The value is. It's in the relationship, not necessarily the orgasm.
0: So, we actually um, need to realize and understand that in a long term relationship, for that relationship to actually have. Um, the capacity to continue fulfillingly. We need intimacy and sex is part of intimacy. Mm, but, but not, it's, the not only thing. it's not the only thing. Yeah, I think that was quite a, a nice and uh, comfortable comforting th- discussion that we also realized that there are some things that we still can work on. Yeah. It's not, we don't become prisoners to it. Uh, we have opportunities, we have options and uh, here at Gay is radio where we talk about things. These are always the, the little bit of tips that we can carry with us and take with us and we hope that inspires you. You are listening you. to Gay is radio where you are family and thank you for listening to Let's Talk.